that to minister the grace of God to you. Let us just pray together. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you speak through me tonight in a way that many people can understand and believe your word. Thank you, Father, you communicate through me exactly what every person needs to hear and uh, what will encourage him to understand who you are and what you've promised man and uh, how you will bring it forth by your doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Good. Yeah, that's what must not be. Okay, good. I say. Right. <clears throat> Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about um, the ministration of death uh, and how the law could be called the ministry of death, because the law talks about wonderful things like love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, and actually things that if we use it in a normal life, that it will actually promote a lot of life. Um, if we look at a nation, if people don't uh, commit sexual immorality and uh, marriages doesn't break up and people don't desire one another's things and they love God and all of that, we'll find it will be a peaceful nation. And how can uh, the law, which talks about all the good things, and even Paul comes and he says that the law is good and that the law is righteous, how can such a law be called the ministry of death? I mean, that is really something that is, um, sounds so contradicting to us. And how can basically uh, looking at the good and doing good uh, kill you? How, how does that is it possible? You know, how can that ever be possible? And where does it come from? Now, um, in, the, at the in the first evening we spoke about the design of man, how God made us, uh, why God made us. And we've come to see that God is a family. And from this family, he created a man and a woman. Uh, and uh, when he created this man and woman, they were in the image and likeness of God. Meaning, they were also in the similitude or in the likeness of a family that can, through union, produce fruit. And uh, uh, have, they had dominion or their relationship, in other words, would have an effect on certain things that would be subject to them. Um, so they were in the image and likeness of God. And, and what God's plan was, was then to uh, have the life he has, which is the only eternal life, and love them and be good to them and actually then uh, project his life or live his life towards them and as he lives his life towards them uh, they would share in his quality of life in the same way as what a farmer would go and he would have a farm and um, the purpose of this farm is so that he could have uh, his family there and that it would be inherited by his family and that they could live there so what he would have is he would have all the tractors he would have the the land he will plow he will farm and all of that and the purpose of that then is um, so that the, all of what is done there and what he does there is actually towards the children uh, so that the children can have his life uh, 
uh, that would be the plan. That is, in South Africa anyway, it's like that, where, uh, where once you have land, you never want to sell your land. You want to keep it in the family. And uh, because that is uh, a life, a guaranteed life, and uh, land is so expensive that once you've lost it, the chance to buy it again is almost impossible. So you want to keep it in the family and, and that life you want to give to your children because you know that in order for them to get that land by going and studying, becoming an engineer or a school teacher, working and uh, trying to then buy that land would, would kill them. It would be almost impossible for them to ever gain that. So you want to give them your life. You want to give them what you have. And that is how God determined for us to have life. Because He knew that He possesses the only life in his case, he possesses the only land, uh, and, and he wanted to share that with us. Now, um, <clears throat> I've looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Bible many times, and one of the biggest things that bothered me was, why would that tree even be planted? Why would God put that tree there because if he never put that tree there then we um, we we would man could never have fallen and uh, there could never have been uh, the disaster that there is now now we we need to understand that when the bible in the creation story talk about trees um, it is uh, i believe let me put it this way I believe that the, the, the whole Genesis story is a story, it's a narrative, it's trying to communicate a certain word to us. I'm not saying that the creation was not physical, I'm not saying that there wasn't a garden, but what I'm saying is, is that God, through the story in the garden, doesn't try, His main purpose of that is not to try and communicate to us, you know, that the, church, the world was made in six literal days or not. That's not what he's trying to communicate. What he's trying to communicate through that story is how we relate to him, who we are, what he is, and how we, uh, and, and how we have life. That's what he's trying to communicate. Uh, for example, when the Bible talks about trees, you get the tree of life. Now, if we want to say the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was just a physical tree that Adam didn't have to eat from, uh, okay, then what would the tree of life be? What kind of a tree would that be? Because we know that Jesus is the tree of life. Now, was that a tree standing in a garden there? You know, and uh, you know, what would the tree of the knowledge of good and evil then be? Uh, you know, so uh, how would these gardens look? The Bible even comes in Isaiah and he calls us, the church, trees of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. So uh, even we are trees, you know, according to Isaiah 50, 54. So if we are trees and in the garden there were many trees that you could eat from, but there was one you could not eat from, for it would destroy you. What would this tree be? How would it function? What, what would it be? Because we know that the tree of life is even God himself, you know, and, and, and Jesus is the tree of life. So how, and how will this whole thing work? Now, um, 
When the, the, the way I look at the, at the fall of man is in the following way. If we look at the prodigal son, the prodigal son, what did he do? He was, like the older brother, a son that was born into the house of his father. In the house of his father was many things. There was a farm, there was some land, there was some animals. Everything was there. Life was there. All provision was there. It was just like uh, the Garden of Eden would have been. You know, he didn't have to create a farm by himself. He didn't have to go and cut off trees and put a new field there for the first time. It was already there by the father. The farm was already created. Uh, uh, the father was already farming that farm. That farm was already producing. And these sons were then born into this kingdom of the father. In this kingdom of the father, like I said, there was already servants, there was already gardens, there was already farming. Everything was already there, created by the father. And the purpose that the father had was that his sons would then live with him on that farm. Maybe they can have their own house on that farm, but they would live on that farm and so share in his life, in, in the life that he provided. Um, we, when we look at these children, we look at the youngest one, he came and he said to the father, Father, give me my inheritance. Give me the part, the portion that belongs to me. Now, the father then divided the inheritance between the two sons. So here was the son, you know, uh, all that was his was now his on that farm and the other brother also received his inheritance and he lived there and the father was actually now living with them so the 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 kingdom became theirs and the father was living with them in what the father planned for them to inherit so in other words they were now having the life that the father wanted them to have and they they received their inheritance now let's look at the inheritance what what would a child inherit uh, if we look um, in South Africa, we can say, if we look at the apartheid system, you know, we grew up, my, my, my children, my children grew up and what they inherited was the effects of apartheid. Although apartheid is not there anymore, it has, was ended legally, it doesn't even exist at all, it is just a memory. Uh, we can still see the effects of it and they have inherited certain knowledge they have inherited a, 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 a certain culture a certain way of thinking they've inherited that they've they grew up in South Africa they uh, they were maybe what we would call born free you know born in the new South Africa but still there's some knowledge and some stuff that they are carrying and that they are bearing that they that, that they inherited in the same way, you know, we, when we look at the, the, the uh, prodigal son and the older brother, the sons of the father, they've inherited certain knowledge. They've inherited um, uh, uh, the know-how on how to run a farm. They've inherited, uh, they've seen how the father treats the servants. 
They've seen how the father treats the mother. They've seen how the father goes to the market and how he does business and how he deals with, with people, what he sells his stuff for and how he buys and sells and does business. So they didn't only inherit land. They didn't only inherit some money or some camels or some cattle or a, a goat and sheep. They, what they also inherited was business skill the very ability and the know-how on how to do business. And uh, what we find then is the prodigal son, not long after that, took everything that he inherited and what did he do? He went to another country. Now, I want to ask you, what do you think, if you must just think with an open mind, what did the prodigal son want to go and do in the other country. Do you think that the prodigal son wanted to go and waste everything? Do you think that his intention was to go and become a slave of somebody in the other country? Or what do you think was his intention with everything he knew, all the knowledge he had and all the stuff he had? What did he want to go and do? He wanted to go and reproduce what he had with the father. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to have a farm. He wanted to, um, uh, 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 he wanted to go and, I mean, he had the business skill. He had all the know-how and everything. And what, he, what I believe he wanted to do, if we just take normal logic, what does your son, if he says, Father, give me my portion of the inheritance. He's grown up in a stable home, in a loving home. What would he want to go and do with all of that? He would want to go and start his own business, want to go and start his own life. And what he would do would be, he would take everything that you've taught him, everything that you have given him, and he would then apply that and try and build what he has seen and experienced in your house, he will want to go and do it there. Now very important, you would see when the prodigal came back, the father said the following, he said, you remember the elder brother was angry? And he said, you know, he wasted everything with prostitutes, he wasted everything and, and whatever. And he had what the Bible calls a wasteful or riotous living so the way he, he lived was a way wherein he could not maintain what he inherited. He lost what he inherited to the point of slavery. Then he realized that his father is good. He went back to his father. The older brother complained. And this was the words of the father then. He said, why are you upset? He says, your brother was dead. And now he's alive. So... If we look at those words, what we can say is that the father, when the son went into another country to have his own life, and he lost all that he inherited, in the eyes of the father, he saw that as death. He saw it, he died. Okay? Now, if we say that the father, that the son died, we can say that Taking the inheritance, going to your own land, trying to work and build your own kingdom with everything you've seen from the Father can cause your death. That is what we can say. So, 
When God spoke to Adam, He said to Adam, Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. For the day you eat thereof, of this death you will die. Or dying you will die. You know, you will die. You will not live if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, let's get back to the prodigal son and the father, or the younger son and the father. The way the father lived, if you must think that is a picture of God and man. The way the father lived, the father and the mother and the servants, which in our case we would be a type and a shadow of uh, the, the, the Father and the Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the angels and the kingdom of God. The way God lived, do you think that His way was good? Of course. The way God lives in His kingdom, the way God would farm is good. It's not bad, it's good. Even uh, I think it's in Matthew 21, the Bible says that the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what shall, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He said, uh, well, he said good master. What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And then Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? For only God is good. Now he comes and he says, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good. But there's only one that's good. And that is God. Now, <clears throat> he says, Don't eat of this tree. Now, how do we eat? Uh, according to that because if we say that this tree of the knowledge of good is actually knowledge of God and evil the word evil in the in the Greek if you study the the, the Old Testament Greek the Septuagint you will see the the word literally there means to be full of labor or hard work so if you say I am going to take the knowledge of God and then work this knowledge, you will die. You will die. Now how can that be? Uh, how is it that, 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 that um, you know, working that knowledge can cause your death? God even shows that in the prodigal son. He takes all the knowledge of good, everything he could inherit from God. Now, is what we can inherit from God good? Of course, it's good. But if you want to take the good and work the good in order to have a life that looks like the life of God or eternal life, you will die. Because the moment you look at good and your working of the good, the moment you do that, the source of your life is your ability. It's your ability and not the ability of the Father. You know, you can find two people. The one is a businessman in his being, and the other one is not. The one that is a businessman can follow business principles and do business, and he will make a success. The other one that is not a businessman in his ability, in who he is, can try and copy those exact business principles, but it will not work for him, because he is not that. It's not in him. The one can do business 
in the name of the other one that is a businessman in his being and then you'll be very successful because the if you want to use a spiritual language the anointing of business rests on the one and when you come and partake of that then you can share in that life in the very same way the ability to have eternal life belongs to God and only he possesses it and now he's got a kingdom uh, wherein he is good towards us and in his goodness towards us we receive life and as he is good to us we find his goodness brings forth goodness in us and then we are good to others but the moment we say let's look at the good of God and now we will do the very same good and have life by the good we do the moment you do that it's like a man that goes and does business on his own that doesn't have the ability to actually do business and that kills you now when um, the the when we look at the law the ministration of death I believe that law talks about this tree that we eat from eating just I forgot to just finish that eating means to believe to believe so if I come and I eat the body of Jesus and drink his blood how do I eat it I believe in what his body stands for and what his blood stands for when I believe it then it enters what I would call my spiritual stomach or my heart and then it feeds my emotions by what I believe so like you would eat a piece of bread when you eat it what does it do it goes into your digestive system it gets digested and from that it's break, broken up and it forms sugar in your in your body and then from there you find energy and life in the very same way spiritually when we the way we eat spiritually is by believing being persuaded listening to something and being of the same persuasion so if we are of the persuasion of Christ and what is done for us then our heart and our emotions and everything in us finds its energy from it and we feed on that and then we can say our life is now born from Christ so if we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which would be if we say we believe in our heart that we behold all the good in God and then do that good then we will then produce the life of God and have eternal life the moment we believe that we are feeding on something that is not found in God because inside the kingdom of the father the father is the source of that business of that farm he's the life of that farm you get uh, businessmen you just know you know like uh, um, the guy that was head of Apple I mean he was the life of that company in the very same way you find that God is the life of his kingdom and we are partakers of his life when we come and we allow him to be good to us uh, 
Let me use a, another example. Let's say my wife and I, we, we've got a wonderful relationship and she loves me. If she loves me, I find that from her love, I feel a good self-worth, I feel loved, I feel stability, I feel kindness come forth in my life. You know, I feel friendliness towards her and all of that. Why? Because she loves me. So the source of my life is her life. Her love for me produces a life in me. This life that's in me looks like her life because that's what I behold. I see how she loves me. Her, love's in, her love in me produces after the very same kind and now I also walk in love. But if I say, let me look at how Helena loves me and then I'm going to find someone else, be it my son or be it whoever, and also love that person that way and therefore I will have Helena's life by loving the way she loves. I've made the principle of love my God instead of being the recipient of love. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You, um, let, me, let me not rush past this because this is very, very important. Um, the law would be God, the way God lives, jotted down on paper. So if I would go and I would... Use, let me use this example. If I go and I say, let me look at how you do business in Holland, and I go and I write everything down, exactly. Uh, people here normally get up at 6 in the morning, then what they do is they brush their teeth, after brushing their teeth, what they do is they quickly brush their hair, whatever, they get in the car, they grab a breakfast, and then they eat on the way, and then they, when they come to the, to the work, they brush their teeth again, then they greet one another. After greeting one another, they sit in a little group, and they discuss what they're going to do that day. After discussing what they're going to do that day, they start to do it. At 11 o'clock, they take a, a short break, they drink some tea, then they have a lunch, and then, and, 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 and then they've got this thing, you know, that they've got an internet, and they talk, and they whatever. If I go and I say to the people, you see this? Just do this. And you will have the wealth of all that Holland has. <laughs> you know what? They can wake up at 6 in the morning. They can drink their coffee. They can brush their teeth. They can sit in their group. But they will not farm the way you farm. Because in order to do that, it was born from a certain belief. It was born from a certain belief. And in order for me to have some of the success you have, what needs to happen is I need to partner with you. And basically draw from what is already in you and so share in your life. That, that is the way. And that's what God has come to do for us.
Now, if we take God and we write him down on paper, we will find the law. And we would say that law is good. The law is good. It is a good God written on paper. And now, if you want to take that good God written on paper and do it to have the life of that God in you, you have already separated yourself from the only life, putting yourself outside of that, and what you've done is you've said, I've made these works and my ability to do God the source of my life and not God living His ability to love towards me as the source of my life. And what that would cause is your death. It would, because we are made from dust. When we are made from dust, what it means is, dust is dead. Dust is not alive. Dust is dead. Then God comes and gives that dust life. Then he says to this dust that is alive, your life can be preserved forever by me loving you and so sharing my life with you as you enter into this love relationship that I have towards you. Where who I am is the source of your life. Okay. And all you need to do is believe that and I am the lifeline of this ministry. I'm the lifeline of this farm. I'm the lifeline of this kingdom. And so can you now live in my kingdom. But the moment the dust says, okay, I have now been in this kingdom or you say to, the, to your father, father, I don't want... Um, you know, I, I want what, you can, what I can get from this, this uh, farm, but I'm going to another country, and then I'm going to use my ability to farm as the foundation and the source of my life. Then you'll die, because you have not been designed to be a farmer. You've been designed to be a sharer in the life of a farmer. That is what God has come to give us. That's what He's come to, 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 to give towards us. So, I like to use this example of uh, uh, Lance Armstrong. If, if I, at the age of 43, decide I'm going to win seven gold medals, you know, I'm going to win the, the Tour de France seven times, and all I'm going to do is, I'm going to look at Lance Armstrong, and everything he did. What time he woke up, how many hours he trained, his diet, everything. And I'm going to jot Lance down. Everything he does. And then I'm going to take Lance, and then I'm going to do Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong will kill me. You understand what I'm trying to say? Lance will kill you. Not because he wants to kill you, but because you or me at the age of 43 have not been designed or made to do that. At my age, I am at the point where I can cycle and I can be fit and I can enjoy it, but the world's best cyclists are there 
not to show me how to cycle like them, but to entertain me. That's why they are there. They're there to entertain me. I find joy from them. I, if I look at one winning or whatever, or uh, even in football, you know, you support your team and you say they win. Ah, you're so happy. You find your joy and your excitement and your life is born from how they can play football. In the very same way, we find our life out of the very ability on how God can give life and do what He promised us and give it to us for free. That's where we find our life. But if we behold how God loves, how God is kind, how God is merciful, and we think that we see all this life that flows from how God is merciful, therefore we can have life by Loving, or life by being kind, or life by anything we do, we have separated ourselves from being the recipients of life to be to, unto the uh, uh, originators of life. And since we are dust, we will only be able to give what we are, which is death. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Death cannot produce life. Uh, or something that had no life, let's not use the word death, something that had no life in it, dust, cannot produce life. It can only be the recipient of life, and then that life can live in it, and it can be alive. It can have all the attributes of it. But the moment that dust says, I'm going to use the ability of dust to have life, you're going to die. So, I believe part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is just our design and where we come from. That's part of it. Another part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is when we look at Satan's fall and we read Ezekiel 31, we see that uh, God comes and he, and, and he writes uh, and, and he speaks through Ezekiel unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh represents the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the devil. And he said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you were very beautiful the day I made you. You were like, you, you were a tree in the garden of God. You were in the garden of Eden. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were planted, listen to what he says to Pharaoh. You were planted by the big stream. And because you were planted next to the river, you had more water than the other trees. And you became bigger than all the other trees. All the other trees were standing in your shadow. All the other trees were smaller than you. And you were much bigger than they. And the water made you great. What is the water? It is the Spirit of God. It is th that which God supplies. That which comes from the throne. The Bible says, from the throne flows a mighty river. You know, in the book, book of Revelation, or the letter, letter of Revelation, there's a mighty river flowing from the throne with trees on its side. And so it comes, so it talks about the life that flows from God is what made Satan great before his fall. But what did Satan do? The Bible writes in, in Ezekiel, you can read Ezekiel 31 verse 1 to 10. You can read all of this. He says, your heart was lifted up in the length of your branches. 
or your stature. In other words, he found his greatness not in the fact, not in the life God lived towards him, but in the fruit, the life God, the, the life God gave him provided. So in other words, it would be like uh, the son inheriting everything from the father. After he inherited everything from the father, he says, wow, you know, as a son of the father, I now have my own tractor, I have my own, uh, um, you know, combine, I've got my own, I've got my own, I've got my own. I, on the basis of everything I've got now, am a farmer. So I am now going to farm and, and I find my identity not in my dad being the farmer and I'm being his son and sharing in his life. I am now a farmer based on everything I have received from the Father. It would be like uh, the Holy Spirit comes and he gives you a gift of prophecy and now you've got now you feel now you you prophesy and you can heal the sick and whatever and after a while you start to find your identity as a prophet and not a son of God it will kill you it will kill you Paul calls it being in the flesh in 1st Corinthians he says why don't you know the body you're part of a body here man you can't live without each other. Now you say, I'm special because I'm an eye, or I'm special because I'm a hand, or I'm special because of this. Or I, because all of a sudden, we, and this is what Satan did, was he took what God produced in him and found his life in the length of his branches or in the stature. He said, let me look at what I've inherited. My inheritance defines my life. No. <laughs> we are in the image and likeness of God. And who God is, is our life. Who God is, and what He has promised us, is what will bring us life. So, why will I be free from sin? Because God promised me that. How am I partaker of freedom from sin? By trying to stop the sin? By looking at, what do I have? No, no, I've got this gift now. Or I have, I have, I have, you know, I've been, I've inherited something from God. I've inherited emotions. I've inherited thoughts. I've inherited a belief system. I've inherited a will. Okay, so, um, how will I have life? Okay, no, no, I'm going to feel life. And then I'm going to just feel it. And then I'm going to, if I'm, I'm just going to focus on it and will, I'm going to will this life. And then I'm going to just, um, or I'll use the power of meditation, or I will, um, I'll use all the abilities that God has given me, which are actually things through which He lives in relationship with me. I use that as my inheritance to produce life. It will kill you. Why will it kill you? For you have not been designed to do that. You've been designed to be a recipient of the life of God. That's why... Trying to do God will kill you. You cannot have life by loving your neighbor. You cannot have generosity by giving money. Let me say it again. You cannot have generosity by giving money. And you cannot have life from loving your neighbor. You cannot have life by, love, by loving God. 
you have life by believing that God has granted you life and believing his promise which is I give you my life and I will live love in you I will live generosity in you and he makes me generous he makes me kind and because of his kindness in me I now share in kindness and that's how I how we live now when we part from that by jotting all the things of God down and doing God God in written format will kill us okay now I, I can't explain every verse in the Old Testament concerning this but I believe that is the foundation from where we find all the scriptures in the Old Testament that says and God killed them I believe that is because if we look at the Old Testament if we look at everything that happened there there's a story behind that there's a story that says something very holy something very that was very promising something that's very looks very kind and looks very good can and, and has got the, all the promise of life can all of a sudden kill you and that's exactly if I come to you and I say to you listen man you know um, it is it's like we don't have to reinvent the wheel God has come to give us life we don't have to produce the life he's come to give us the life he is the farmer we are the sons let us not go to another country take everything we've inherited from the father write it down and go and try and do it it will be the ministration the very thing that kills us that's why Paul said there was a way that seemed unto life but the end was death what was he talking about he was talking about the Ten Commandments first Corinthians oh, Romans chapter 7 talking about the 10th commandment which says you shall not desire what did he do he desired all the more so what he said is I thought I could find life I thought there is life in not desiring no 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 there's not life in not desiring God says I give you life all you do is father my body my mind my soul my emotions is available for your life I believe it I believe you could raise Jesus from the dead so you can raise me from all the uh, uh, bitterness all the hatred and everything you can raise me from that that cannot keep me down your promise is stronger than all of that and now you'll find life by God fulfilling his promise and as God fulfills his promise his promise is that he will live in you that's where we find love then that's where we find kindness that's where we find mercy coming from there so yes uh, it might look like the very same thing, you know, kindness on paper, kindness here. But who's the father of it? That's the whole thing. Who is the father of your good life? Is it God promising you or is it you doing God? Remember, he said to Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good. Who is good but God? Only God. And evil? what is evil to work God or to take what God has given you what you've inherited from God and find your identity and not just your identity but to try and find eternal life by doing all that good you know what Satan said this is the lie that Satan told he said he said to Eve Eve did God say 
you will die if you are, you should not eat of that tree. Then she says, yes, God said, I'll die if I eat of that tree. He said, you will not die. So what he was saying to her is, listen, look at the belief system that says, look at the good in God and do the good that you see in God. Look at that tree. Look at the, the word, the message that tree provides for you. And then eat of it, believe in it, and you will have life just like God. So what he was saying is, listen, God just wants you, he, he basically, he, just, he wants to give this to you for free because he doesn't want someone else to be a God. You know, in, in being able to produce their own life. God is just lying to you. You will not die by trying to do good works. You will not die by that. And what did they do? They believed the lie. Eve believed it. Adam started to believe it. And when they believed it, what happened to them? They started death. Death entered man. And now we need a tree or something to believe in that will cause our hearts to say, we can be raised from the dead. Now, how? And we can have eternal life. How will our hearts be able to believe it? Very simple. All of our sin and all of our death must be on one man. And if he believes the Father and he can conquer my sin and my death, it will put me in a place again where I can believe that I can have eternal life. And that is what Jesus Christ came to do for us. And that punishment, now you must remember, here is Jesus. He is in heaven living a very good life. He becomes a man. He receives the likeness of sinful flesh. He receives our death. There's a, there's, there's, um, and the Father and the Son, they were in agreement about this. The Father wasn't grudgingly giving His Son, saying, oh, I don't actually want to give my Son, but I have to. No, the Father gladly gave His Son. Uh, the Son came to do the will of the Father. He said, my food is to do the will of my Father, meaning I, I only want to do His will. That's what I want to do. And the, 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 Jesus even said, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? It's your life. It's you having the opportunity to have life. That's the joy that was before Jesus. So it was difficult for Jesus, yet it pleased Jesus to take that sin upon him. And the very same with the Father. It pleased the Father to see Jesus being bruised upon the cross. The Father bruised Jesus on the cross. How? By saying to Jesus, Jesus, will you go and take this sin? Will you go and take their death upon you? Yes. Okay, I, I make... Uh, let us do it together. You go. Will you do it? Yes. And then it pleased the Father to give Jesus to receive the bruising and the death which sin brings and which death brings. That's what I believe Isaiah 53 says. It pleased the Father to bruise him. It doesn't say the Father beat him. 
the whole context of Isaiah 53 is very, very clear. It, it, uh, um, the way I see it. It says there, We esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was carrying our iniquity. So what it means is, the re we looked at him at the, on the cross, beaten. Then we say, oh, he's being punished. You know, he did something wrong. He's punished. There's some, this is the punishment. Uh, for, he broke a law, therefore he's punished. But no, he was not punished for anything. He was carrying the end of my sin, which is death. So he became sin. After he became sin, the, the sin had a body that it could kill. Because remember, the wages of sin is death. So God said, I don't want anybody, anyone to be lost. So I'm not even going to use a man. I will provide my own man. So that no one will have to die. I'll create a body again from dust. So from Mary, he created a body of whom of who he was the father. He, so he provided his own body. This body had no sin. This body took all sin upon him. And once sin is upon him, the end of sin is death. So God provided this body. It pleased God to have this body bruised. To have this, the, the punishment or the wages of sin, to have it in this body and not in you. It pleased him. He didn't think, oh, I'm now so happy because somebody's punished. He says, I'm seeing your death dying here and it pleases me. That's what I believe Isaiah 53 means. And he comes and he, and he says, I love you, I, I embrace you. And now we can come and what we can do is, we can hear the message that says, because we live in this world, we say, oh, I've got this sin, I've got that bad, I'm busy dying in my body, I'm becoming older, uh, we struggle with sickness, we struggle with disease, we, how will we ever attain unto eternal life? We've got a word now. What is the word? It was from the beginning. I promise you eternal life. Adam didn't believe that. He implemented a system that brought death to everybody. But inside that system, Jesus came in, he conquered that system, and he conquered our death, conquered our sin by becoming it, receiving all the consequences of it, and then the Father still raised him. Why? Because he believed the Father. And he was in union with the Father through belief. When he was raised... By the Spirit of God, what can we now have? A word that the Spirit that raised Jesus is now made available to all of us. And as we have that Spirit, which has already conquered my death and my sickness and my sin, what can I expect now? I can say, all I can expect from this Spirit is the resurrection life to manifest the life that's in Jesus in me. And so the Father is now again the Father of my love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, and all of that. And I am not the Father of it by jotting it down and trying to do it. I hope you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Because this brings to me great life. 
what it brings to me is a heart addressed at the integrity of our Father towards us. What it brings to me is a heart that can believe God is kind and trust God to bring forth his life in me. All of a sudden, I am now again a son that has come home. I am not trying to build or every, every day I go to the Father's kingdom and see, okay, how does he farm again? Okay, now I'm trying to do it. Trying to produce a, a farm that looked like the Father's farm. No, I've come home. I said, you are good, Father. I cannot produce life by, my, by myself, but you've provided a way back home. And I am home to be your son. And what, is, what does the father do? He takes him and he puts a ring on his finger, sandals, a, a robe, slaughter the fatted calf, and restores him completely into sonship. W what does that mean? That means as we come back and believe that the father is good and that we can just freely receive life, that means kindness and everything, including immortality, in the return of Jesus, from the Father, as we believe that, we are restored to full heirs of the very life of God. And He then lives in us. I believe that is the gospel. I believe that was God's original plan with man. That's what He wanted for us. So, if I live in this world... How do I live my life? What do I do every day? What is the practical thing that I, that I have? Number one, I believe that God has promised me His life. When I believe that and I can see that Jesus died, I believe Jesus is Lord. What that means is, I believe that He conquered, He, he rules over sin and death. I believe that He was raised from the dead. What that means is, a human that believes the Father was raised from the dead and that death was my death because he didn't have a death of his own. He could only have my death. So he had it upon him, he died, he had my son, he died. So what, did, what does the Bible says in Romans? He condemned sin in the flesh. What that means is he ruled against sin in the flesh or we can say he destroyed sin in the flesh. What that means is that the, the sin in the flesh, the, the inability to have God's life by human works, that whole system, he destroyed all of that. How? By becoming part of that system, dying under that system and then the father raised him. When the father raised him, it means the following. The life he possessed now, since he died my death, it is now my life. So what can I believe? I believe when he poured out the Spirit, which is the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that Spirit can now raise up my life, which is the life of Christ, in me. So what am I expecting every day? How do I live everyday life? My body I make available as a living sacrifice. What that means is, every day I say, my life is, this is what the Bible says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. This is what present means. If you are a presenter, you take somebody, you put him on a stage, and then you present that person for who he is. So what you do is you take your body, and you say, I present, says body, 
I present you as alive and available for the life of God. I don't present you as alive and available for works. You are the place made available, sacrificed or put aside for God to live in. That's what you are. You're not going to produce life by yourself. You are the recipient of life. And the Bible says, and so we will prove, means, that prove means to, to, to prove like in, um te bewijs. Okay? Ons sal bewijs what God's original plan was for us. You know? That is how, how we do it. So, I present my body, not just my spirit and that. This body, wherein sin dwelled, I present it as the place where God can live. We've made of the human body very little. Yet Paul calls it the temple of God. Yet Paul says that the physical body shall be raised. God didn't make light of the physical body. He became a physical body. He dwelt amongst us. He died in a physical body. Then he was raised up in a physical body that can never die to forever be in a physical body and never be apart from a physical body. To give a message to everyone that has a physical body. And that is that God has conquered sin in the flesh. He promises you the fruit of the Spirit. He promises you immortality and eternal life. And what the devil wants you to do is to separate everything from the physical body and always just make everything spiritual. No, 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 no. Our bodies shall be saved. We are receiving salvation today. We are seeing the first effect of salvation, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And then the last thing we'll see is an undying body. Amen. That's what I believe the Lord has come to give us. And I trust that this will, will bless you. Right, time for questions. Are there any questions? Who's got a question? You've got a question? Yeah, um, in the beginning you told us um, you had a question about, uh, because of why was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, my answer, my, my, yeah, my answer was it is yeah. part of our design, you know, because we are a being that has got a will and emotions and we can look, look at that and then. Uh, what I also maybe didn't communicate clearly is that the, the, Satan's fall, you know, his belief was that he was this tree and that he, and he came to a fall before um, we were there. He was also like an angel. And that knowledge that God, uh, that, uh, that, um, wherein Satan did that was then available, you know. So that was the planting, I believe, of that tree. Now, when God, when God, this is what I believe. When God made Adam and Eve, He made them in His image and in His likeness. And He even said to Adam, give all the animals names. But you'll notice that the animals were made before Adam was made. And the animals wasn't without name. Um, 
It's not as if God didn't know the names of the animals. God knew the names of the animals, but the Bible says he said to Adam, name them that I can see what you would name them. And then the Bible says, the names that Adam gave the animals were the names of the animals. So he was correct. So how, where did he get this knowledge? From God. In other words, everything God knew, he knew. And God also knew that there is a being that found his life, you know, first from God, and then started to believe in the ability of his own, of his inheritance and to produce a life of himself. And he knew that that was in existence. That was in the mind of God as well. So Adam would also have the ability to then have knowledge that there is a system like that. And he says, don't believe in that. The same as what we have today. We have today the system planted in this world that says, you know, you can have life by your works. Why is it planted here? Because of our design, because of the relationship there was between God and man. It wasn't God deciding to plant a tree like we plant trees. It is those trees we must see as beliefs, different beliefs and uh, a different persons or whatever we want to call it. I think that is how that planting was there. So it's part of our design and because there was a being that came to a fall before we were made and therefore that knowledge was also in the, in the earth. Um, that's what I think. So it, it is not as if God, we've, we've had the thing of God planted that tree to test man. You know, to see, well, is, God, is man going to be faithful or not or whatever. It would be like, uh, I've got a business and in that business is a certain way of living. And now I have children. And as I bring them into this business, I know that there's, a, there's the opportunity that they would say, I'm going to do business on my own. You know, because in this business is the freedom that you can leave if you want. You know, so you can say, I've planted that there by making that available. You know, it was not a testing or anything. It actually also talks about our design and the freedom we are in. It's actually beautiful because if it wasn't there, I don't think we would have been in the exact image and likeness of God, having the knowledge of God and the variability of God, free will, and, and all of that. Okay, another question. Yeah, I, I really don't understand how um, Jesus uh, became sin. Okay, yes, I can explain that. The, the, um, I was in America and somebody came to me and said to me, how did Jesus become sin? Man, it was a difficult question. Because how do you actually become something? How can Jesus become sin? How do we become the righteousness of God? By believing. We become by believing. So I believe Jesus became sin or he took sin upon him, if you want to call it like that, the moment he believed that he became the high priest of man. And that was in the baptism of John. When, when Jesus was baptized by John, this is what happened. Uh, in Ezekiel, in, in Leviticus 16, it talks about the scapegoat, that um, the, Bi the Bible says that 
um, the priest would or Aaron would go and confess all the sin of the people on the goat okay on the head of the goat then the goat would be sent into the desert the one goat would die the other one would be sent into the desert signifying the carrying away of sin so Jesus when he came into the uh, baptism of John what baptism was it it was the baptism of the sinner you had to be a sinner to be baptized by John and John came and he baptized Jews now the Jews didn't believe that they were sinners but he was saying even Jews are sinners and you all need the Messiah and he was baptizing people with a baptism of repentance so in order to be baptized by John you had to say I am a sinner and then Jesus came to be baptized by John but John just the previous day said this is the Lamb of God that has got no sin and then John said I cannot baptize you you know because this is the sinner's baptism this is not the baptism of 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 the righteous I need to be baptized by you I need to get into your holiness you can't get into what I preach I'm preaching these are sinners so when Jesus did that he said let us do this to fulfill all righteousness so when Jesus was baptized there I believe it was a signifying of all the sin coming onto the head of this scapegoat the head is the understanding of Jesus the belief of Jesus so Jesus believed that he was now representing man under sin when he believed it it is so because the moment God believes something it is so so he believed it and that is what I believe how he became sin and then he proved for three years that the sin was on him and not on the people by healing the people because the people thought that you know if you've got sickness it means you have sin so Jesus comes and he says to a man your sins are forgiven they said how can you say his sins are forgiven Jesus said um, well what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to be healed because the Jew understood healing as forgiveness so Jesus said to the man you are forgiven they say he's not forgiven he's paralyzed how can you say he's forgiven he's paralyzed Jesus said to prove to you that I've got the ability to forgive that would forgive means to separate that I have separated their sins from them how has he separated their sins from them by him taking their sins in the baptism that's why he could come and now heal these people because the Bible says you must first bind the strong man before you can destroy the house so how did he so Jesus said I am not casting out devils by the finger of Beelzebub I am casting out by the finger of God you first bind the strong man so I'm not the devil didn't give me authority here I took sin the, the, the strong man that brings sickness captive where by take by becoming the high priest of man under sin take becoming the lamb becoming the scapegoat you know that scapegoat in Leviticus 16 was sent into the desert immediately immediately the Bible says there must be a man a ready man to take the goat into the desert that means he must be immediately taken and when Jesus came out of the water what does the Bible say and 
immediately the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. Signifying what? The carrying of sin. Okay? So now, he's carrying the sin, and for three years, he's proving to people, your sin is not on you, it's on me. It's not on you, it's on me. Then he said, now the time has come for sin to bring forth its consequence, which is death, to the body provided by God. And then he went to the cross and he started to bear the wages of sin, which is death. And since all sin was in that body, all death came to that body. And when that body died, sin died, death died, and God in Christ conquered sin and death, raised a human from the, from the grave that still represents you to bring the message of life to you that you can have freedom now from sin and death. Because we are, yeah, because we're human. And now when we believe upon that, then the spirit of that truth enters our heart and it becomes the food that, 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 that supplies the emotions and the kindness and the life that we need. That is how I believe Jesus became sin. It's the only way he could become sin. The father couldn't make him sin because the father doesn't have sin to give him. The, 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 he had to believe unto we, we believe unto righteousness how do we believe how do we become slaves we even believe unto slavery in the same way Jesus believed unto becoming sin because he believed that if I'm baptized by John I'm baptized as the scapegoat therefore sin comes to me even if you look at they ask Jesus Jesus by what power do you do these miracles Jesus said to them tell me about the baptism of John was it from God or was it from man so he was saying where I found the authority to heal somebody was not in my super anointing the authority to heal somebody is that their sin is not on them that gives me the authority to heal them it's not the innocence of Jesus that caused him to heal people. It is the innocence of people that caused Jesus to heal them. Otherwise, it was not a legitimate healing. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think the, the Holy Spirit is a person because of um, just the, the vitality and the life that there is. But I also believe the Holy Spirit, uh, a, bit, a very good way wherein we can define the Holy Spirit is uh, a principle. Now that is difficult for us to take because we've always heard he's just a person. But I believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that this, a, a spirit even if you study the Greek, the, the Spirit says it's a vital principle that's animated. So I can be in a spirit of bitterness, or I can be in a spirit of joy, or in 2010 we had the, a soccer spirit in South Africa, you know, football spirit. Why? Because everybody now plans everything around the football. In the very same way, the Spirit of God is kind, 
loving, caring, believing, and all of that. So the moment we enter into, we, we allow that spirit. In other words, the spirit where we trust. The spirit where we rely upon. The when, we, when we enter that, that spirit brings forth certain things in us. It's, got, it's powerful. Like you would say in a, a spirit of soccer, has got certain attributes and a certain power. You can find somebody that's always just, you know, a staunch German, just sitting, not jumping or doing anything. You can find once the spirit of soccer enters him, it, can, it is powerful unto the manifestation of things he could never do before. In the very same way, I believe, when, once we come to a place where we trust God, when we believe God, when we enter into the spirit of rest and kindness and being loved by Him, that spirit which is so full of life that we call that spirit a person, that's what Jesus called the spirit, um, th that it brings so much life to us that all of a sudden we can also heal, we can also, because all of a sudden we've got the spirit of the resurrection. What is the spirit of the resurrection? Christ has come and conquered death. Okay, what does that mean? That means, man, there will be a day when nobody, when all the dead will be raised. I'm of that spirit. Okay, so let me pray for a sick person. And that spirit of the belief of resurrection flows through me and heals some people as signs of what will take place. That is, you know, to explain spirit, if we're physical beings, is very difficult. But that is my my understanding you know of it we find uh, a lot of people start to veer away from the spirit and the gifts and those kind of things which I I'm not fond of that because I believe the moment I find uh, this spirit of life the spirit of resurrection the the vital or the life principle of God giving man life start entering my heart I find this personality of not wanting to see death but life, not wanting to see sickness but healing, not wanting to see uh, um, sin but holiness. Once that spirit entered me, now I, when I preach, I preach to, by the spirit of life to produce life in people. Um, and you know, to see when, when I pray, you will see at the end of a meeting, I always pray over everybody for healing because th there's something in my heart that says, let, let there be signs of this truth that will take place. That is the Spirit of God. You know, so the Spirit, uh, I believe that Spirit has got certain different um, manifestations in different people. Like you would have, if I come and I tell you, uh, Holland won the soccer, then that Spirit of victory will have different effects on different people. The one will jump, the other one will smile, the other one will just feel peace, the other one will whatever. You know, depending on... So in the very same way, this Spirit of God, to the one it causes him to evangelize, to the other one it causes him to go and heal people, to the other one it causes to serve in a church, the other one that Spirit of the life and the resurrection causes generosity and giving, and that's how the Spirit lives in us. That's what I think. Okay. Jesus said also that um, he goes to the Father and then the Father can give the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, the one called alongside. Yeah. Now I believe that when Jesus went to the Father, okay, so he is a human, mm -hmm. raised from the dead, seated in the Trinity. Only when he was seated there, the Spirit of man united with God could be poured out. Yeah. Only then. Yeah. 
So we then receive the Spirit that says, we can receive the Spirit and a Word. The Bible says even the Spirit is the Word, or the Word is the Spirit. We can have a Word now of a man, sit at the right hand of the Father, when we believe that Word, that Spirit of our union with God, our innocence, the Spirit of our death, death and resurrection, that message, that Spirit, can then be poured out to be alongside us. So as we believe that, it helps us to do what? To conquer sin. To live the life He's promised. You know, so th that's the one side of Spirit that I understand, I think I understand fairly well. And I do believe like the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible talks about the multi multicolored or multifaceted grace of God. There's so much, you know, that I still need to learn about the Holy Spirit, but that's what I, how I see it and how it works for me and how I see the fruit of the Spirit and signs, wonders, and miracles in my life. Okay, good. Yes, I have a, uh, a difficult question, I think, about... Then we ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, what I think about that verse is that, um, you know, they said, I must enter the kingdom. Why? What was the reason why they felt they had to enter the kingdom? I can produce these works. That's called iniquity. Even in Satan, he said to Satan, Satan, iniquity was found in you. What was that iniquity? That iniquity was to look at the very ability and to say, from this ability, it gives me access to the kingdom of God, which is eternal life. So, I'm going to have eternal life by being able to produce signs, wonders, and miracles and take my inheritance that I have in Jesus. And by that inheritance, I will create a life that is worthy of the kingdom of God. That's what I think. Yes, I think so. I also, I mean, some of you might be shocked, you know, but I don't believe in, uh, um, in, in once saved, always saved. I, I believe in, you believe in Jesus until he comes. You know, and by that persuasion in your heart, you know, that Jesus will produce it. So that if the Lord appears, you know, what will you say to him? I've produced miracles in your name, Lord. That's why I must go into the kingdom. Or are we going to say, thank you for your generosity, I'm part of your kingdom. You know, so those are people that believe that by miracles and signs and wonders, they've got access into the kingdom of God. And now they come in the name of Jesus, because I tell you now, you can go in the name of Jesus, preach a message, 
and pray for people and you will find the Lord producing miracles in those people uh, uh, in those people's lives because they believe upon the Lord now what we've done is we have said that if a miracle happens through a man the miracle affirms the man no no the miracle affirms the message affirms what Jesus did upon the cross not the man and that's what they believe they believe I am what I do that's what I think I can be wrong but that's what I'm, that's my view on it it happens. That's why Paul said, aren't you in the flesh, you know, uh, uh, when you do all these things? One say, I'm of Paul, one say, I'm of Apollos, the other one this, the one says, I'm a, I've, I'm, I've got a bigger gift because I can do healings and all of that. Paul said, does all of us do that? No, but all of us are part of the body. He says, you are in the flesh. You are trusting in human ability. You are trusting again in the inheritance of gifts. And another thing I want to just say about miracles. We, we need to realize that miracles is not complete salvation. It's not complete. It is a partial thing. Everybody Jesus prayed for eventually died. They are all dead today. Even, even Lazarus that was raised from the dead is dead today. That means that that miracle Lazarus received was not what God planned for Lazarus. God plans for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. There's a difference between being raised from the dead and being glorified. Yeah. Lazarus was never glorified. He was just raised from the dead as a sign that Jesus is the resurrection. And now that is what we would call, uh, um, I would call it uh, just a sign or a wonder or um, the Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part, so we also just heal in part. Even if somebody's raised from the dead, he's healed in part because he will die unless Jesus returns. So what we have done is we've taken the gifts that are actually a sign unto the truth, which is the resurrection. And we've made that the end goal. It's like going to a sign that says Amersfoort and then you stand there and say, I'm in Amersfoort. You know, no, you're just at the sign. You're not at the town. You just arrived at the sign. So let us see the sign for what it is. It just points to something. And what we've made, we, we've taken the, 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 the scriptures concerning eternal life and signs and wonders uh, and confused it with each other. And we've come to a place where we've made the end goal of Christianity the ability to do miracles and that has hurt more people than healed people. Okay, I think it's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your kindness. Thank you so much for the care that you have towards us. Thank you that you love us and that you have come to just wash us in your kindness and in your mercy. Thank you that I could administer this word here in Holland. Uh, thank you, Lord, for John and Yolanda and just what they've arranged here. The beautiful people that are here. Thank you that you've come to bring understanding to us and that we can today say, you are good, you are the source of our life, we believe you, we trust you, thank you for freedom from sin, thank you for freedom from death, thank you for signs, wonders and miracles and the fullness of your life in us, we believe you live in us. Thank you for that Father. We see how you've conquered our sin and our death and we say that... Uh, 
the life of Christ is our life. We await your return. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I declare every person here blessed. I declare people healed. I, uh, I thank you, Father, that you stretch forth your hand to signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles of this truth and this word. Confirm this word of the resurrection by signs, wonders, and miracles in these people. And as they go home and they see those miracles in their lives, and as they hear this word now reminded by you, Holy Spirit, of this, they will just rejoice and have gladness and peace. Thank you, Lord. I also want to pray for the Grace Church in, in, uh, um, in Holland. I thank you, Father, there will just be unity and love and peace. And that these brothers will stand together and that this message can be spread all over this place. Lord, I make myself available to minister this message in this country in, uh, and, and just let it spread to people that people can be set free. Amen. Okay, thank you so much.